Okay, you did it. What's going on, everyone? Joe and Mike and Trevor, buildassetsonline.com. From college dropout to dropship daddy, we got Trevor here, who uh, one of our students who's doing doing some interesting things, and we're bringing him on the show to discuss. So welcome, Trevor. Welcome, Mike. And we're bringing him on the show to... Oh, yeah. Thank you for having me. It's been a great journey so far and more to come. Awesome, man. So I just found out about three minutes ago that you're only 19 years old. So this is uh, going to be going to be a great testimonial for all the Zoomers out there that think dropshipping is dead or they got to do something on TikTok to uh, to make it happen. So, yeah, I'm really uh, excited to dig in and hear how you've done things and uh, just get a little bit more insight to what you got going on. So. I guess let's get started. Do you want to give some sort of brief background as to, you know, how you, what your background is, how you found online marketing, how you found us? Yeah. That whole thing. Yeah, sure. So I first all, uh, or got exposed to the idea of dropshipping e e-com at 12. I remember I was in my bedroom. I saw a YouTube ad. So tw- when I was 12, that was what, what seven years ago. Um, I don't know if you guys were on YouTube, but it was a while ago. I saw like some low ticket dude on YouTube, like just flexing his Shopify dashboard, just like how it was. So I got exposed to that idea. I started researching it at 12, but obviously I have um, Asian parents and they didn't let me start a business. And I only had a few thousand in the bank. So I really, I wrote down like a whole business strategy, like how dropshipping works and like a notepad and everything. But I never executed it because I just, nothing was in my name. Um, But later on at 17, I was able to use my mom's name and I started eBay dropshipping and that launched my e-commerce career. Um, I did uh, 700,000 my first year with eBay dropshipping. And then the next year at 18, I did uh, Facebook Marketplace dropshipping, which I still do today. Um, And then uh, I started researching Shopify because I knew that was the path I wanted to get into. Um, So I started with the low ticket Facebook ads. I bought a course when I was 17. So I rewatched the course. I had two failed stores with Facebook ads. I'd spent a few hundred per product. Um, didn't get any sales. Then I started researching Google ads. I bought a Google ads course and I started low ticket Google ads and it worked for, for the half a year that I was running the store. But, uh, the reason why it failed is because, uh, although it, it, when it was at when it was during Q4, the sales started picking up, but then in Q1 started dying off. Um, and I was relying too much on like smart shopping which was um smart bidding at a time or the previous smart bidding strategy with google and my sales just started dropping my ROAS just went down and i just couldn't do anything i couldn't figure out what to do so that's when i saw a interview with you guys with spencer cornelius or cornelia um and i watched the, the whole uh interview and it just made sense a week later i bought the course and i started the journey from there. I want to talk about that for, well, first of all, 
I don't know if anyone's parents would tell if if I went to my parents at twelve and I said, "Look, ma, uh, I just found this business online. <laughs> um, can I go start it?" I, I don't think she. I don't think she would have said yes. So I don't know if that's an Asian parents thing. I think that's just when you're twelve. Uh, you you'd have to have like a unique type of parent to be receptive yeah. to, to that. Anyway, I just wanted to to, to say that. But um, that Spencer Cornelia interview, that's pretty funny because we did that interview a long time ago. And obviously Spencer Cornelia uh, is a very, very big YouTube presence right now. And sometimes I'll go back and because a lot of people say they found us through him. And sometimes I'll go back and read the comments on that interview. And it's like, uh, like <laughs> people think, like, oh, we're trying to scam people or something. So it's interesting how his audience seems to be into like two different categories. Like there's people like you, but then there's people who don't believe in like making money online at all. It seems, would you say like, were you, I guess you were never in that other category. You always believed since 12. Yeah. I mean, it, it, I had early success at 17. That's when I legally had a, I was running as a sole proprietorship. So I legally made money at 17. So I knew it worked. I just, it was built on bad foundations and every level and year from there, I just jumped from eBay to Facebook to Shopify, which was more sustainable, but it was Facebook then Google ads, then low ticket. And then ultimately now I'm at high ticket, which I believe is the most sustainable of all the businesses that I ran in e-com so far. Yeah, I think you need to have that initial period of you do you do things and they have some sort of success, but they're not sustainable. And that's okay. But you know, people will start like they'll join our course or something, and it's the first business they've ever done. And realistically, it's hard to expect someone to get great results or amazing results out of the gate when there's so many unknown variables when you're just starting. Like you were exposed to this so young, seven years ago was the first time you found out what dropshipping was. And then you've been building on it. I can only assume from there, just by you were probably watching things and still remaining interested the next five years until you did uh, stuff on eBay. Mm -hmm. And we certainly went through that phase as well. Joe would do like retail arbitrage. Um, you know, I was making like Sudoku books on Kindle and then we got into like Kindle publishing. And so it's always a kind of a stepwise, uh, you know, fashion to get to finding the more sustainable thing because you have to weed through a lot of stuff. But, you know, you said you're doing Facebook, um, you were doing Facebook marketplace drop shipping. So what about that? Do you feel like was unsustainable? Well, just Facebook as a platform, I would just get banned all the time. And then in 2020, especially like every single seller got banned permanently for a week. And I was like, what the <laughs> hell do I do now? Yeah. Uh, so it's just, and because Facebook controls the algorithm and the sales are just random, you just put up listings, right? You can't, there's nothing else you can do on your end besides what post more, but then they're going to ban you because you post too much. <laughs> so you just get screwed over. Well, you're, you're talking about, so you're using Facebook like a uh, marketplace for drop Yeah. Shipping. So, in 2019, they introduced like a shipping option where you can ship items. Mm -hmm. So it was basically 
Facebook, kind of like eBay, where you could ship item. Uh, you could just list anything and then you can offer shipping. So a bunch of people started uh, just putting drop ship items on Facebook. And then when a the customer buys, they would just fulfill it from these retailers. And that's another thing that's unsustainable. You're using retailers like eBay.com, Amazon.com, Walmart.com. You're doing arbitrage. That's all it is. So you were taking a listing, say, on Walmart, marking it up 25% or something, and then just fulfilling it from Walmart to the customer? Yeah, exactly. And then it got pretty in-depth where I would bring in inventory, take my own custom photos and everything. It got pretty advanced. I don't do it much now because, uh, well, high ticket's starting to show its numbers. Right. I mean, arbitrage works, but it's a, it's a rough business. I had a friend... Um, who, I mean, he was doing niche sites for a while and he, he's still doing them, but he wanted to, you know, basically get some extra cash going quickly. So he got into like Amazon arbitrage, online arbitrage, but it's just, it's always a race to the bottom and the sustainability is just, it's very, very difficult of it. But I think it's a great, and, and you're obviously proof of this, it's a great uh, first step to make you believe that you can actually make money on the internet from the, the comfort of your computer. I'm reading these comments on the, the Spencer Cornelia video. I, it still gets views because his channel is so big. I sorted it by new. Uh, it was two months ago. Two scammers. <laughs> isn't isn't dropshipping basically tricking pe people? I can never trust anyone telling me they're making so much money so they decided to tell me their secrets. secrets. By the way, they're making all this money yet their homes look poor. So, <laughs> there you go. So I mean, In the Lamborghini, Joe. <laughs> I mean, so, but my point is, is someone like you, you would never think or, or say those. I mean, maybe you would think those things about certain people, but if you had any success, you wouldn't be bothering like commenting on stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I definitely ran to industries where it's a lot of bad gurus that teach it. I did SMMA at one point. I also did affiliate marketing at one point, and obviously they didn't work out just a ton of business ton of businesses that just i tried but never worked out right and it so, all depends on your ex like affiliate marketing is obviously a, a good business model but it depends on your execution and, yeah. and, and how you're doing it yeah so i guess all that led up to you finding our interview you started doing our course and then why don't you take us through kind of what it was like building out your first store and how long it took you to see any level of success doing that yeah, so I started my this initial store, my main store, in 2021, December. I had it built out when I was about to sell my low-ticket Google Ads store. I sold that in March. Um, and funny thing is, the person that I sold it to is now running like monthly recurring revenue scams on the site that he bought from me and selling like fake products and everything. So it just shows the crazy world that these low ticket people. Let me, I just want to interrupt you just to, before I forget to remind you of this. Um, I don't know if you did this, but we're using Shopify payments. Yep. You got to make sure that your uh, 1099 is switched over to their business. I don't know right. how long ago. Yeah. I, I did deactivate it and he uses a different payment processor. Yeah, yeah. Just make sure you look into that. Okay, if he's not using it, because it's, believe me, we could talk about it after, but it's a thing that can go wrong. 
So the guy started running scams. You started making the first store. Yeah. And then uh, joined a course in April, March or April of this year. Um, I had to rewatch the course because I was trying to apply the knowledge of my low ticket experience without watching the course first. So it just kind of got jumbled up. Then I watched the course, uh, applied all the things taught in the course. Most things were familiar, like just the website setup and everything that was uh, fairly straightforward. But then the Google ads part um, was just completely different. Um, in my old course, we we just made one or like two campaigns where we just put all our products in there and put it at one bid. And there's there was no segmentation. The guy taught me to this negative keywords if it spends 20 bucks or more without any conversions. There's no there's like no knowledge or like no evidence to support that decision at that time. Um, so I just followed his like steps and what he taught in the course. And it did work out for me. I was profitable at the end of the day. But um, once I switched over to like uh, smart baiting everything, just things just went downhill. But uh, I started a high ticket store in April and then I got it all set up. Uh, within the months, I started running ads, got uh, the first sale within uh, like one or two weeks. Um, and then from there, I just tried to spend more. I was, I kept having that conservative mindset where I wanted to preserve that, like that ROAS. So I didn't want to like ramp up the budget too much, but uh, now looking back, it just was kind of a waste of time because if I just spent a little bit more, it didn't really matter because uh, I would have gotten the data a little bit faster, if that makes sense. So you feel like if you had spent more money quicker, it would have helped you get results quicker because you would have seen what sells and yeah, you know, I was, better decisions. Yeah. I was bidding really conservative in the beginning. Yeah. I mean, I think it kind of depends on your, um, your knowledge level and you know how much money you're willing to to lose and so when we try to you know advise our students we don't want them to lose money we want them to typically be profitable google gives you that first hundred dollars free whatever and so our goal is to get students profitable by that time um so they just start out profitable and stay that way and a lot of people don't have prior google ads experience so you know, we like to advise people to be more conservative uh, because there's a lot of things to iron out. And I think having a smaller budget in the beginning allows you to make sure your segmentation is correct. Uh, you know what you're doing as far as the bidding and you're doing that all within, you know, there's a cap. So if you screw up, Google's not going to spend, you know, a thousand dollars and it was all wasted. So, yeah, I think it kind of, you know, to each their own. We did an interview with um, a previous student, Binda, who... I think he came from a low ticket background like you. He had inventory of stuff back in the day. And so when he started his ads, he was doing like $400 a day, $600 a day. And uh, he had some pretty quick initial initial success. But one thing that was really interesting about your store is that you started out with a lot of non-map suppliers. Is that right? Yep. So what was that like? Because again, we don't typically advise students to, you know, if they get a bunch of non-map suppliers, we're very cautious about saying, 
you know, spend a lot of money advertising with them? Yeah. So I had a ton of uh, non-map suppliers more than map suppliers at the time. I didn't know how important it was to have map suppliers. So I just started to add as many suppliers as I can to the store initially. Um, one non-map supplier just showed that they had big margins and then um, fast shipping times, good pricing and all that. And it just started to sell. So I ramped up the budget on that. Um, over time, it sold consistently. But then now today, they're a map supplier and they're actually one of my best-selling map brands from non-map to map yep yeah so well game control 21 asks what are map suppliers so i want to address that for anyone that may be new to our content map means minimum advertised pricing so basically there are like in the usa for example there are many companies that say okay this product you cannot list and advertise this product for below a thousand dollars and maybe your margin on that product, your cost would be $600. So every time you make a sale, the customer pays you a thousand, you pay the supplier 600. So you have a $400 margin. So map protects that margin. If there's no map, there's nothing to stop competitors or yourself from listing it at 900. And then someone sees that a competitor sees that they list at 800. And now you say, all right, I'm gonna list at 750. And they list at 700. And then it's just a race to the bottom. And a race to nobody being profitable. So that's um, that's what MAP is. And so, you know, maybe maybe it was for the best you were conservative, uh, especially because it, that supplier wasn't MAP. So maybe if you raise your bids too much, you know, you could... These, these non-MAP suppliers, it's very quick for someone to go and undercut you. And that could screw up everything because now you're not going to show up as high in your ads. Customers aren't going to want to buy with you because you're not the lowest price online. So, you mm -hmm. know, hindsight is 2020, but I don't know. But I think the good, <clears throat> the thing to, I think, point out here is that a non-map supplier is still viable if you have the margins. The issue comes when the race to the bottom undercutting starts, then it becomes uh, not good. Yeah. Because in the because in the UK, obviously, the map is not as prevalent, or there's no map in some situations. There's MSRP and all that, but yeah. Well, that's why if you go to buildassetsonline.com/class, we have an entire web class on how we do what we do, and then inside of the Elite Fleet course, which Trevor is a part of, um, there's a whole section on scaling and how to do that with non-map suppliers. Because, yeah, we've made plenty of money off of non-map suppliers, but you have to be very careful in how you do it. You can't be taking as many liberties because it just takes one schmuck out there to go and undercut you. And now everything is screwed up. You can't be bidding $2 a click. You can't be bidding $1 a click. So you got to just uh, take some considerations in there. So, Trevor, was there anything that you felt like you were doing with your non-map suppliers to help you stand out? Were you offering, like, a free gift or were you – I don't know. Uh, sorry. Um, no, not really. It's just because the supplier didn't have initially that much competitors selling it. So, and they had a bunch of brand demand. I think I just plugged into Keyword Planner just to see for fun. They had like ten thousand a month, so they have a, a ton oh. of brand demand, but just no or very few retailers having their items. Right. 
Yeah, and um, the the niche selection masterclass. I don't know if you if you've watched that. We kind of put that out after you uh, yeah the course, but we kind of talk about like what makes up a, a home run supplier. So you have a variety of things. You have map. You have brand demand. You have uh, like how many people are trying to compete for. So map is just one piece of the puzzle. If it's like you said, they don't have map, but they have all these other good qualities and they're a good supplier. They ship on time. They're easy to work with. Then again, it's still a good supplier. Maybe it's not going to be a home run, but it could still make a decent amount of money for you. Yep, for sure. So that was initial. That was your initial uh, phase. And you said you started the course, what, in April? Yep. Where do you feel like you're at now in terms of uh, your um, success? Well, I've, in terms of the stores or in terms of the course and college, I do think I understand most of it. Um, I had to rewatch a lot of it to just soak it in. Um, but after rewatching it a couple of times, now it makes sense. And uh, currently the stores are uh, doing good. I have two good uh, map brands that in, uh, enforce map. And then I'm just slowly adding suppliers every month and just raising the bids, growing the spend month after month because that's, uh, well, in the course, that's the most straightforward way to increase your month-to-month revenue. So people are going to want to know what type of numbers you're hitting, like revenue, profit, et cetera, if you want to share some of that. Yeah, so I sent a screenshot yesterday, but uh, it was at this yesterday's numbers. We were at 23,000 for the month, and then that was 4.2K in profit, like 20, 22%. Hey, it's not nothing to see that. That's pretty. I mean, four point two k in profit. That's basically uh, what is that per year? We're only halfway through the month, Joe. Oh, that's true. So that's true. Eight k a month times twelve. It's almost it's almost six figgies. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I if you use that, but that you know, that's where you're at now. I mean, it's it's only been. What you say? When did you make your first sale? May, about? Yeah, April or May. I don't remember. So, we're only you're only seven, eight months into your store, and you know, probably like many of the Spencer Cornelius watchers feel, why didn't you make a hundred thousand dollars your first month? And so, a lot of people have unrealistic expectations when it comes to creating a real business, and uh, you know, like some interviews we did with our student, like like Raz. He doesn't have the most like jaw dropping screenshots, but he's been doing this for years and making consistent money. And so to us, that's more important that we can give someone the keys to the castle and they can make sustainable income for a a long amount of time. So yeah, you're only uh, a few short months in to your, your dropshipping career. And uh, maybe, you know, in a year from now, you'll be looking at selling a store. Are you interested in that or you just want to kind of, I like the cash flow side of things, mainly because um, I do this full time. So I really like the dependability, predictability of the income. Mm-hmm. But um, maybe having two stores, I could sell one. But I want to have an idea of what to use the cash for before I sell it. 
Well, yeah, I think when we when we sold our first store, I mean, we had what like four or five stores, so it became a situation where we didn't need the income from that store, and uh, you know, the lump sum of cash was more valuable. But yeah, it, it's you know, it's crazy. You're only 19 and you're doing this full time. But there'll come a time where you know maybe you want to buy a house, maybe you want to uh, go take it easy. I mean, the lump sum of cash that you'll hopefully get at this point, um, you know, say you get that by twenty twenty one, whether you buy a house with it or throw it into an index fund or something like that. I mean, you have your own YouTube channel about investing. As long as you don't throw it into Milf Coin or Dogecoin or something like that, then um, I think you'll be financially set for you know for a long time even just one exit that's you know say if it's a 200 or 300,000 exit at your age is i think going to be life changing i think you're going to be way better off than if you uh, went to college yeah definitely well I'm how do you feel now that you're uh I know, I know at 12, they probably weren't very supportive, but how do they feel now? Well, I was on a trip in New York, uh, like last week and like for three, four days, and I was just showing them the sales, like I made 2k <laughs> on this trip, but you guys spent what 4k on this whole trip. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, screw you. Find your own way home. <laughs> yeah. Wait, so you have your own, uh, your own YouTube channel. You talk about investing. Yeah, I started it like in 2019. It's not my main focus right now because uh, I think once I move my main my all my attention to it, I could get it to grow more. But trying to get the main priority is the high ticket right now. Well, I ask because so if you're if you do a lot of research on investing as well, like how do you view? You know, the, you're making money now. So, um, do you invest a portion of it? Do you just yeah. want to keep it within your business right now? Yeah. So every month, part of it goes to. Oh, well, my company is set up as S corp, so I pay myself a salary every month. Part of that go, goes into my personal Roth, and then the company pays itself into a self-employed IRA. Um, so I have two IRAs, my own and my company IRA, and then I take some of my own personal money, I just throw in an index. So yeah, I invest every month just in indexes. The first year I did like individual stocks and that was a mistake. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, the path of least resistance, if you could make, you know, if you could put it in index and get a, you know, a certain rate of return that's straightforward and, and pretty certain, you know, it's, that this it's just it's just better than than trying to get a little bit of an edge and you know spending your time on on that as well. well that's the thing all the kids Trevor's age are gonna want to you know make a million dollars on some stupid coin and then most of them won't do that some of them will make a lot of money and then they'll reinvest it in something else another coin thinking that they're uh they're hot shit and then they lose it all and then they're driving ubers so Listen, it's a story we've heard before. Let's just let's just say that. Not that there's anything wrong with driving Ubers, but you know, when you got 
when you got the win, you got to learn how to take the win. But even getting small wins each month, like you're uh, like you're describing, over the long term, you're going to be miles and miles ahead of uh, anybody. So, yeah, for sure. Good, good on you for having all this knowledge at such a ripe young age. Um, you know, Mike, uh, we have uh, so someone sent us our site to, for that for us to review. Uh-huh. Uh, so we have that. Then we got questions about Andrew Tate in the chat. So I don't know. I don't know what we should do. I mean, should we let Trevor talk about? Do you, Do you want to promote your YouTube channel a little bit? I don't really want to promote it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Let's promote our YouTube channel. Yeah. Start <laughs> to build assets online. nice so yeah we'll get to some chats if anyone has any questions for trevor now's your time yeah speak with uh someone on the ground doing it starting a store and uh yeah we can review that guy's store joe if you want to uh guy or girl if you want to get that going but uh yeah i guess we look at this question i was watching an andrew tate vid and he was saying that it's better to start selling whatever it is you're selling through a website and then getting the products to send to customers. What do you think? Can you apply that to dropshipping? It sounds like the definition of dropshipping. Yeah. I mean, one thing that I would want to add is so, I mean, what he's saying on the surface seems pretty logical that you have a product that's successful. You're dropshipping it from somewhere else. So the next logical step is to is to bring it in. And so you're shipping it. But then you're getting into a whole different business where you're dealing with logistics and, and, and things like that. Um, I would say that once you master a business model, so you master dropshipping, you're, so you're really good at setting up the website, you're really good at the advertising portion, getting traffic to the site. You know, you're not specialized in, in shipping. So... I would say, I mean, my, it's always, I think we've, this is what we've done is once we had a set of skills that we knew we can combine to make money, we just use those skills over and over again without um, adding on new complexities. So I don't always think it's the best situation to, to do that. Right. Like you you already figured out how to drop ship something successfully. So you can either start bringing in products to maybe add some more margin to what you're doing or... But the problem with that is that you, you have to learn a new skill of logistics versus taking the skill you already know how to create a successful, you know, dropshipping store or whatever, then you can just do that again and you have the skills for that already. So yeah, I'm with Joe here. Just, just make another store, start selling more products because you already know how to do that and you've already proven that to yourself. I mean, Mike, we have a situation now in one of our stores where I mean, I feel like we could, so it's kind of funny. I feel like we're in the situation with one, with one of the products where we could take inventory of it. We would probably make more sales. We could ship to the customer a little bit faster. Um, but we just don't do it because, you yeah. know, we're out there doing other stuff. Yeah. We've gone back and forth on this idea so many times and it's just like, for what, especially now that we do land and stuff, it's like. I could, we, we could spend a hundred thousand dollars on inventory and instead of making, you know, if we sold, if we drop shipped at a hundred thousand dollars, we would make 20,000. If we bring it in as inventory inventory, maybe we make 
$30,000 or even at a high case, $40,000. So you're spending an extra $100,000 to make an extra $20,000 versus I could buy a piece of land for $100,000 and sell it for, you know, 200, 160, worst case. And it's, it's one and done versus sitting on all this inventory and waiting for it to turn over. And it's like, I don't know, man, just, just drop ship. What are your thoughts? What are your thoughts on that, Trevor? Have you, when you're doing the Facebook dropshipping, have you brought in inventory? No. When I, well, I didn't sell any through Facebook ads, but when I was doing low ticket Google ads, um, I just used eBay as a dropshipper, like as a supplier. So, so it, it is basically also retail arbitrage. Okay. 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 So, which is pretty funny. Well, retail arbitrage, as Joe was doing it, was like he'd go to the stores and he would get inventory. But, you know, I guess it was kind of good because you he knew like you you can scan the product and see what it's selling for on Amazon. And so, you know, whether you're going to make money off of it kind of off the bat. But it's not like you're spending, you know, that much money on inventory. And it's well, I would do online, too. The thing about the stores is that so um, online, the prices are a lot worse. Like you right. know, the, the margins are thin in the store. I could find something where I'm making like 75% margin or something, but obviously the store is typically not going to have like a lot of that, you know, might be able to buy just a handful of, of whatever it is. Yeah. It's more of a grind, but yeah, it's a good initial way to maybe start out and make a few bucks, but <laughs> not as uh, sustainable. It was, it was fun. I still think, I still think sometimes when I'm, uh, <laughs> when I'm out. <laughs> Game Control says, will there be a Christmas sale for the course? I don't know. We might close down the course soon. Listen, our course is already the best the best bargain that you're going to get online. I mean, I think at the end of the day, if you want to start a real business online, we give you everything you need. There's no fluff. There's no I'm motivating you in some way that's going to make you think you're something you're not. We just give you the the information that you need to to succeed and the skills that you need to 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 do it over and over and over again. Yeah. And if you go to buildassetsonline.com/class, there might be a good opportunity in there for you. So, forget about Christmas. You could be you could be in the course now and you could be making sales. Everyone else buying the Christmas products. So, <laughs> You got to get into the yeah. the creator's mindset, not the consumer's mindset. I think Trevor really showed today with what he talked about that you have to be in the game. You know, you have to – that initial success that Trevor, Trevor saw getting in the game set the foundation for his high-ticket success with us. And I'm not saying you need to go do something else before you join us. I'm saying you just got to do something you get, because the people that are the most successful with us – are people that have done something else in the past then they not you just got to you just got to do something you just got to do something yep so we'll get to the uh the site review in a second but i want to get to it i want to get it you want to do it now all right we'll do it now this this guy this guy is um this guy or girl jazz i think is uh it's not 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 doing too good Guys, this store, I have it for more than two years. I failed to find any success with it because I did everything on my own. I built lots of great relationships, but suppliers. But unfortunately, it's just not my thing, even though I tried my best. Well, you are not a student of ours, Jess. Um, 
simply, I mean, so obviously we're not going to know what your ad account is going to look like, but we can look at the store, which I feel like, uh, I, I, I don't know. I feel like the store is not designed in a way that looks professional. I'm, this looks like Shoptimized. It looks like an old version of Shoptimized. Yeah, it looks like an old version of Shoptimized. Um, and I just feel like it looks bad. Like, look at this picture. Like, this picture is pixelated. Um, well, is it, you think that's making or breaking it? Let's go to, like, a product. No, no, no. I don't think that's making or breaking it, but I'm just trying to um, – just, just that initial thing, and this is something I see often. Not often, but, like, sometimes – when we have students that for some, for whatever reason, just don't put attention to detail. Um, and I just feel like looking at this, that the attention to detail is not there. This is, and it's fun. It's, it's, I just feel like, so I've seen these kind of layouts before the banner and we're going to get to the product page. And first of all, it's also really slow. Um, so yeah, we're going on the product page, looked at the banner again. I just feel Where like, did you uh, get this? from jess <clears throat> yeah i feel like the it, it, it they're copying a lot of elements from other drop shipping stores but it's just not executed well like look at this box i mean but joe i don't think this is going to stop them from getting like no sales like they, they shouldn't be failing right uh, but this is all we have to look at though right but so uh, I think your issue is beyond the store itself. Like, I don't know. Joe, hover over where it says shop by brand. I want to see how many brands they have. And Jess, why don't you tell me in the chat? But look, Mike, 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 come on. Look, look at, look I mean, at, yeah, this, this, look at this menu. This is like, like, yeah, this is, this is screwed up. But, but listen, Jess, how much are you spending a month in ads? Let's start with that. Because, the, what I can guarantee, Joe, is that their ad account is probably screwed up. They're probably not spending a whole lot based on how many brands they have. And that's ultimately a huge part of their issue as well. So, I mean, the, they're making sales. They said they're getting one to two a week. So if you're not able to make one to two sales a week work profitably, that is stemming from your ad account. You could figure out the the website issues later, in my opinion, because you've proven that you can make consistent sales. If you've been doing this for more than two years, yeah, one to two one to two sales a week. So it shouldn't be hard to take what's working and just amplify that. So I, I don't right. know, but the website needs a lot of improvement. Uh, one to two sales a month, and so my. My ad account is screwed up from a year, I'd say. I mean, so this is not enough information. I like, yeah, your store needs work. Um, you could be doing more things to stand out. I don't know if we got like a pop-up for a discount. I don't see you offering any sort of incentives. I don't know what the margins are on these suppliers, but it's just, uh, yeah, I, I think it comes down to those things. I'll 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 no, no, no. Well, let me point out one more thing. Cause I just got a, I just got a text from the, from the wife about this. Cause uh, she's, she's watching. Okay. And this is something that I've seen, I've seen other people do this and it's a huge mistake. And I know you said, Mike, it's primarily the ad account. And I, 
I don't disagree with you, but when you have all these little things adding up, it's a big, I, I think it's a big problem. So look at, look at the logo and look at the URL, the logo and the URL don't match. So if you want to have someone type in a branded search renovation to you and then go, go buy your thing later, that's not going to work. They're going to see this. They're going to type in renovation to you and not the actual way the URL is. And it's not, I, it's, it's another little thing among all these little things on the site that yeah. I, I think are hurting him a lot. It's, it's death by a million cuts, as they say. Exactly. What do, what do you think, Trevor? I think it looks decent. Well, besides the obvious things that you pointed out, but someone with experience could make this profitable every month without a question. Yeah. Just with ads, you're saying, Trevor. Just with ads. Well, they said, my ad account is screwed up from a year, I'd say. I've simply refused to deal with it because I don't see the potential and I just don't have the time at the moment. That's it. So are you even running ads? And if you're not, then what is there to even talk about? Because how are you getting traffic? You know, you're probably not doing any SEO here. So the store is just going to sit around and yeah, I mean, no one's going to come and buy from it. So I don't know. We'll, we'll wait to get a, get an answer on that. But in the meantime, maybe you could, uh, let me see what, what other questions we have going on here. We got our boy Joel D, all time stream, uh, stream comer. And is Joel D the one that would always make fun of us for being bald? Yeah. <laughs> I love Joel. He's one of my favorites. He said, Mike and Joel are the leaders in, in space. Do not invest in <laughs> the leaders in space. Yeah. No, he said it. He said it in the, in the uh, speech. Oh, okay, okay. How old is Trevor? All caps. I think we answered that. He's nineteen. Good job. He said he works for the History Channel now. Get us on Ancient Aliens. <laughs> All right, let's do a show about uh, dropshipping. Yeah. Ancient dropshippers. Mike, I just want to show on that store again. Um, yeah, re renovation to you. If I search for this, I can't even find it. So the guy's URL, I can't even search for like, like the brand, like someone wanting to navigate back to the store. They're not going to do it. So they're basically relying on a one, one prong strategy where someone searches the pro like buys directly that time from the shopping ad. That's most likely. I doubt, I don't think they're doing any sort of retargeting campaigns or, or any, and they, they people aren't going to find them if they type it in again, that's for sure. What if you type in the, the, the number two? Does it work? Not that it would because yeah, not would that... two in any of like the no, text no. on the website. All right. No, so... Nowhere to be found. All right. It's all Google free listings. So, I mean, check this out. It's, it's death by a million paper cuts. You got no, you have no paid ad presence. People cannot find your website if they search your name on Google. Google free listings are trash. You know what you get for free? You get what you pay for. This is free. Look at us. We're on here yelling about nothing. You have to actually be willing to spend money to make money. And on top of this, Joe, 
let's let why don't you put why don't you search Pizzello patio heater P O A whatever. So let's see if this comes up. Yeah. With it, with the, it, free. the guy the guy the guy's giving away his store in the chat. <laughs> Zach, one of our students, is uh easy <laughs> eager to scoop up the store from him. <laughs> but oh this was a, oh Zach uh yeah former interview. The, but I wanna say uh, I want to get back to talking to Trevor, actually. But I do want to say one thing before we talk about the patio heaters, because he said that he's, um, you know, he's about to, he's about, he's about to give it away. When I when we when I first started dropshipping, before Mike was even doing it, this was low ticket. This was like stupid. Like I set up a dog store uh, to sell dog toys from AliExpress. Spent twenty five dollars in Google Ads running ads to the homepage, and then gave up. It's like, oh, all right, that's it. it didn't, people got to the site and they didn't buy. So I guess Google Ads doesn't work. So, uh, Jess, you haven't even scratched the surface of what you need to be doing in multiple different dimensions. In the ads, right. in the way the, the site is set up, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I think you refusing to deal with it, I, I feel like you're um, – you're getting frustrated because you're not doing any of the right things. It's like you're going to play golf, but no one ever taught you how to like swing the the club properly. You're just trying to figure it out yourself. Yeah, you're uh, what is it? You're using the using the tee club when you should be using nine iron. You're like, well, no one uh, nine <laughs> iron. My nine iron broke. Yeah, that's that's why uh, it's not working out for you. Well, we'll hit the shopping results, Joe, because I want to see these Google free listings. Where do they show up? Hit hit shopping. Oh, I have no idea. I don't even. I've never seen one that I know. Oh of. yeah, look, he's there. He actually is right there. Where? He's in two spots. Where? Oh, oh, oh! This is right free, and he's. How does he have a trusted store? <laughs> uh, I, you know, what it is true. I don't think a lot of people are selling this because even when we looked at the main shopping results, like on the um the first page like the main page it was nothing nothing was pizzello so i don't know what this brand is is this like a u.s brand is this mm, yeah i don't know that's a good that's a good question i guess you got pizzello right there but right so this could be a, a potentially good supplier are people like how much traffic are you getting like i don't i don't know do people search this stuff there's a lot of unanswered questions but um I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. So, yeah, let's get back to uh, talking with Trevor here. I've seen enough. <laughs> so Matt says, wait. Oh, sorry. Let's go start here. So he's spending 17K a month on expenses. I guess you were talking about um, you made 4K and your sales were like 21,000 or something. Is that maybe what they're talking yeah. about? You probably just took like revenue minus profit. and then Right. Yeah. So I think what you have to understand here is that the expenses aren't happening until the profit is made. So it's not like you're investing 17 and then you're making, you know, 21. It's like, you make the sale and then you spend the money. So it's not like, it's not like the, this is like a risk. 
So Matt says nobody gets rich or gains skills by investing. Keeping your attention on cash flow is great. Simple attention free investment vehicles are key if at all till your income is massive. I'm not sure I follow. Yeah, I mean I would say uh well probably in like twenty well, I guess it depends on the time frame. So, I mean, as it stands right now, I'll be ri- I'll be rich from my investments whether I do anything or not in like 20 years. Yeah, people get rich from investments. Our key, if at all, till your income is massive. What do you have to say, Trevor? I say keep the cash flow coming and invest at the same time that way you can yeah you got the backup then you have the cash flow coming in there's also this conversation of what is what is wealth what is being rich because if you can make a million dollars whatever and then do the the four percent rule if that's even still a thing and that you know you're at, you, you have a million dollars, you invest it, and then you take out $40,000 a year and you live off that. Are you rich? You're doing pretty well for yourself. You're, you're living a, a take it ease lifestyle because you're not, you're not working. You have fully passive income, like truly, and you're able to, to live your life. So would you rather that or would you rather be the guy with the $10 million mansion who's got all these expenses each month and then he's got all this income coming in. There's inherent risk with that because what happens when, you know, FTX crashes or something happened, you know, there's a war, there's a supply chain blockage. Like there's different, uh, different opinions on, on what being rich is. Trevor, we talked about your parents and, um, and all that, but do you have any, are a lot of your friends doing similar stuff to you or do you have anyone in real life that can kind of relate to what you're doing? Um, like most of my real life friends are like in college now, which makes sense. They followed the path. But uh, I started a discord when the pandemic hit um, and now it has like a couple thousand members and I've met a lot of great people. Um, ones that do the same business that I do, which was Facebook marketplace at the time. But um, I do talk with this specific person regularly. Um, But recently we've been talking about like low ticket versus high ticket. And specifically, um, we I'm doing high ticket and he's doing low ticket. Um, And we're trying to see like he's trying to convince me like low ticket is better building a brand or just debating back and forth. (laughs) And basically. Basically, like he's saying let time tell it, see who does better. So it's pretty interesting. Well, who, who's doing better so far? Well, he hasn't launched his ads yet, I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, pretty typical. Oh. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think that's... Sorry, we got this this jazz conversation in here. So what do you guys think? Should someone optimize for adding sales with brands they already have or be fairly consistent in getting new brands? 
When you have a brand that you can see it sells at um, a good cost per conversion, then it means there's room to grow. And you can do the same, you can do both at the same time. So you can ramp up bids and your budget for specific brands. At the same time, you can add maybe one or two brands per month, but don't try to overwhelm yourself. But there's a lot you can do just with one brand. You can actually use the bids. You can do retargeting on with YouTube. You could do text ads. There's a lot you can do just with one brand. That's a lot of people don't take advantage of just what they already have. Yeah, I think people truly underestimate that the amount of uh, ground you can cover with one brand. People want to get too many suppliers and. That, cre- that, can, that can create a whole other set of issues if your budget is limited. Obviously, you know that, Matt. You know that, Trevor. But I'm just speaking to the uh, the audience here. So they're both viable strategies. Just need to yeah understand your cost per conversion, like Trevor said, and understand where you're at in the, uh, in the game. Alex said, what's up, y'all? Greetings from Cold Ash, Chicago. What's up? Um. How long did it take Trevor to start making a living from high ticket? Curious. Well, I only started in uh, March or April. Previously, my Facebook business, I could live off that if I wanted to. But I'm obviously living with my parents because what I save on not having to pay for rent. I get free food. I get free place to live. And then just taking it easy, but dumping it into the index funds. Taking it easy, your parents' house is the way. Wow. If I, that's yeah. Dr. Cornelia. See, he got it. Trevor got the message. <laughs> I mean, if I have – I often think back to, to if I started doing this. Like, I was on the cusp of when I was your age. I was on the cusp of, like, breaking into making money online. I got, like, a free MacBook. Um, <laughs> like, through some, like, online survey thing. Like, it was kind of – it actually wasn't that hard. It was like I don't. I had to complete like all these things, and I, got, I actually got the free MacBook. Uh, I knew about Bitcoin. Like I was like, I was like on the cusp, but I never really. I guess I never. I, I was too into gaming. I guess, which, I mean, I think ultimately it helped, that 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 skill set kind of helps me. But if I had just done like a little, like if I just knew one thing, like when I was your age and I was still living with my parents, forget about it. Yeah, I mean, I was, in, I was also into gaming pretty much my whole childhood until, like, I did business full-time, probably quit it at 17 or 18, just lost interest in it. Joe, do you feel like the one thing you wish you knew was that this whole thing is real? Yeah, I mean, I could have saved a lot of time. I mean, basically what happened was I loved gaming so much that I quit my real job and then to, to, to game. Cause I wanted to be like a pro gamer, but then I ended up having to do this full time. <laughs> so <laughs> I feel like I could have like skipped the whole college stuff. Yeah. My brother actually wants to do exactly what you just described. Be a pro gamer. <laughs> what game does he play? CSGO. Okay. He's been like grinding away his entire life <laughs> on that game. Yeah, it's um, I mean, the thing about it is, I mean, it, I, th- I still think it would be really cool, but like, I feel like such a 
it's easier to make a living this way and then just enjoy the, the game at a high level, I think. Then yeah. have then have to like, I feel like it it would become like so much of a, a chore, I guess. Like you can't like, and, and you you truly can't enjoy any sort of variety in your life. And that stuff you don't, I don't know for most pro gamers, but you probably only go pro for X amount of years, then you probably drop off a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I think to make it work, you have to kind of build, you have to like really like win a big prize pool or like, uh, you know, kind of make sure you have like a grow, like a growing stream and, and things like that, like other revenue sources. Yeah, it's like that with anything, any professional sport. And I feel like that also skews a lot of people's mentality towards online business um, because like think about becoming a pro in something. People are like, oh, I can never do that. Cause it's just, you, you, there's such a short window to do it, but with this, there's no, there's no window that closes. You can just keep trying. And as long as you stay in the game, you're going to get to a decent level. Like a minor league player in a, in a sport makes barely anything versus like we do this. We operate, I feel like at like a, a C grade level, Joe, <laughs> it works out pretty well. So it's just so much easier than doing anything else at a high level. Well, that's one of the things, like probably the smartest thing that Jared ever told me was, uh, you know, I, I guess way back when our cousin Jared had the potential to maybe be like a professional baseball player or something. And he's like, you know, in baseball, you only get one chance in business. You get like unlimited chances. Yeah. True. So. Very true. Do you, do you have any VAs? Ask Hector. Yep, two on the high ticket stores. I have eight full time and two freelancers on the Facebook business. Uh, so, Trevor, if you could, if you just you mentioned how you couldn't make a sustainable living with the Facebook low ticket dropshipping, and I know a little bit insight into your operation, but so, but yet you have eight VAs. So how how does that uh, how does that work? Like the finances. Is like yeah, it's like a big part of your money spent on VAs. Like that's that's a lot I mean, of it's one and two grand a month. It's not there's enough revenue and profit left over. Um, but I kind of optimize each VA into like an, an investment. Like if I pay them what four hundred a month, they should be able to get five x my investment in them back into the business. So I kind of. Yes. If I see a V8 not getting the returns, then most times it's an issue on their part and you had to adjust either what the, the what they're doing or switch out a VA, like a never ending cycle. But the ones that have been there for the longest time have been just consistent over, what, two years now? Right. Yeah, yeah so even though that, that does like pretty well for you income wise it's like you're not it's not sustainable some months we go crazy and then during the summer it goes crazy and then it trickles down it's just unpre unpredictable and just not sustainable it's like mark zuckerberg's like playing whack-a-mole with you yeah <laughs> you know, va popping up here banned facebook account va popping up here banned account yeah i mean it's it's like one of those things that is like uh I don't want to say exploit to the system, but it's like, I don't know how else to word it is. It's 
you know, you're taking, you're taking advantage of uh, Facebook marketplace. You're taking advantage of all these things from big companies. And so you have, they have the total ability to just shut you down and it, it, the business can go under any day. You know, if something, if someone catches wind of something or whatever, you're constantly fighting for your life yep. versus with this, it's like, you're kind of uh, in control of your own destiny a little bit more. And you're building up a nice little asset that you can uh, maybe sell down the line if you so choose. Sure. The Facebook stuff, the Facebook business is worth zero. Who wants? Who would want to buy a business like that where you can get <laughs> banned every other day? Yeah. Uh, Matt says, no judgment to anyone. I just cannot see the value in gaming, seriously. <laughs> like, as you might, well, you might as well try to win the lottery. If you end up failing gaming, you're left with nothing. Am I wrong? Well, I mean, I guess it depends on how you. I would say monetizing it is pretty hard, but I would say the value uh, in gaming is. I guess you get to you get to, to simulate like high level problem solving in a way that you uh, wouldn't without it. I mean, the value at the end of the day is fun. Yeah, <laughs> I guess that's it. Yeah, but I mean, like, I don't know. I I, I play Rocket League, so. I'm not going pro in it, but like there's so many big rocket league channels that they're not necessarily professionals either. Some of them are, some aren't, but they have like huge subscriber bases and yeah, they seemingly can probably do well off that. Like, I don't know how much they're making, but yeah, you can become a streamer. It's all about building your own brand at the end of the day. Yeah. But yeah, I still think, I mean, without a doubt, this is easier than that. Yeah. This is, I don't know. Tulipan, how many high ticket stores do you run? Are you planning on going back to college? Two stores and probably not going to college. One for a month and a half. <laughs> there you go. So gaming is not attractive to women, bro. Don't play video games. That's that's pretty sexist. Yeah, there's plenty of women, women gamers out there. Why are you assuming that women are only attracted to a certain thing? I have a level 30 orc. <laughs> <laughs> they don't want to know about that. Anyway, we're at the hour mark, guys. So that was fun. I hope uh, people learned about you know, Trevor's uh, success. Hope everyone had a good time. And yeah, yeah. you guys uh, want to... Be in the membership with Trevor, with Matt. Alex is in there. So many people in this chat are, are part of our community, and they're all taking it easy. They're all having success doing high-ticket dropshipping. Go to buildassetsonline.com slash class, free web class on how we use high-ticket high dropshipping to create an online business portfolio worth over a million dollars. Any final words, Trevor? Just take the leap, join the program. <laughs> I thought he was going to say take it easy. I know, I thought that too. <laughs> take it easy. <laughs> On that note, take it easy. Take it easy.